Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to season two, episode one of Hometown Glory, your Spurs and Culture podcast. We're back. Um, we apologise first for just sort of slinking off into the night after the Norwich game. Um, we planned on doing a big 21-22 season opus, but holidays and COVID and work and life kind of got in the way. So here we are. But I'm delighted to say that the whole entire HG crew is in. We've got Ash, we've got Billy T, we've got Rosa, we've got Tom, and we've got me, Charlie. My friends, welcome back to our little Spurs and Culture corner of the podcasting world. I hope you're all well and enjoying what's proving to be a pretty fun summer thus far. And indeed, signings feel like a good place for us to start. So I would like you all to give me the summer signing that you're most excited about, please. Um, Ash, alphabetical order, you can kick us off first please who are you most excited about us signing uh young clement is he young i don't think he is young. he's 27 so he's not young. younger he's younger than us <laughs> younger than us um but i am excited about that because I think- a left a left field choice to to start with and in no way influenced by the fact that we've all tried to pick a different player so yeah <laughs> and i didn't want to offend rosa because i know that like it's in direct competition competition to uh ben davies but um I just think he's had a hard time at Barcelona. I think like he's back with like playing with Hugo and yeah, I just think he's like the perfect Conte player and we like miss someone who can like bring the ball out from the back. So I think that's going to be a really good signing and one that's sort of almost gone under the radar that could prove like incredible, like further down the season. Um, I wonder how much he will play. Obviously Davies has got his knock. So it seems like he's in some kind of doubt for... The Southampton game. Did you, Ash, you watched most of the Rangers game, right? How did Clement do? I only saw a little bit, but I watched his, someone put together a compilation of like, 
just his bits of the match and he seemed okay. I, nope. I actually do think he might end up starting every week, um, which I know is controversial, but I, I could actually see that happening. Rose's eyes are spinning <laughs> right now. <laughs> Early drama for the first episode of the new season. Um, yeah, you bring us all back together and, and now I have to leave. I think that, <laughs> yeah, I think it's fine, to be honest. I don't actually, I mean, GB is obviously injured now anyway. And I sort of, I don't mind like taking in a Barca refugee. To be honest, it feels like that club is sort of all kinds of chaos. Mm. And let's be like a haven for the troubled footballers of the world. Um, and I think, and yeah, he looks pretty classy to me. And he's, he's not just come in to cover that position, right? Or am I just making things up to make myself feel better? I feel like the sort of word on the Hotspur Way streets is that he could probably fill in for Dyer as well in the middle as I guess in some ways that position is most important for the occupant to be able to sort of spray the ball around and be comfortable with the ball at their feet. And that does seem to be, as Ash said, what he um, seems to be strongest with. I guess the knock on him seems to be that he put together a fairly sort of hilarious rap sheet of sort of errors towards the back end of his time at Barca. But I think if there's a coach that can sort of knock out stupid mistakes from a defender, we've probably got him, right? Yeah, and I also think that like when, and it sort of has become unspoken about, but when Dyer was out of the team, that was when our form sort of like fell mm. off the cliff. So I think just having like sensible backup that isn't Sanchez or um, Tanganga, who's always injured, will just be really helpful. He reminds me a bit of uh, Bentoncourt in terms of... Uh where he's come from, a sort of massive club that went through a bit of a wacky spell. Um, It'd been there for sort of four seasons, maybe gone a bit stale, sort of going through a few different managers and a few turbulent eras that probably needs a sort of sensible coach that's going to give him some very straightforward things to do so as not to complicate things and hopefully a fan base that sort of, you know, can cheer him up and make him feel a bit loved. So... The Clement Longley sort of restoration project begins here. Um, I'm glad we kicked off on him. It's an, I feel like he needs a bit of love. Everyone's been slagging him off on Twitter constantly. So this is good. Um, Rosa, you next. Who are you going to pick? Yeah, I'm going to go for Spence um, because he, largely just because he seems like a good lad. And that's what I'm here for, really. I also just, I love the fact that he and Cess are buddies and it's obviously like the dream to have them both on, on either wing. I think that that's like the future. I'm, I got a bit worried when there were all these sorts of reports coming out of, of Conte saying, oh, you know, he wasn't like my pick um, and whether it's sort of he's been a player who's been bought for the future but he seems quite excited about being here. He's, I don't know, he just seems, he seems a lot of fun and he's arrived at the right time, I think. I think sort of Cess had that kind of horrible like couple of years where it was just mm. chaos. And I feel like Spence has arrived at exactly the right time. He'll learn from a great manager. So even if he's not starting, that's not a problem. Um, he'll learn so much. And it will just be nice to have some sort of energy on that side that's kind of good energy and not chaos, I think. So if I think about it, actually, because I'm quite, I don't get super into sort of transfer season. Um, I just, 
I think I'm probably scarred by just so many disappointments of years gone by that I just sort of would rather kind of wait and see how it all pans out. But I actually do feel quite excited to watch him for the first time. I think that's just going to be really fun. And mm. aside from anything else, I feel like we waited for so long to get him to the point where I thought it was actually just not going to happen. So I'm thrilled about that, if nothing else. Yeah, I think Ash had sort of convinced us all that he was looking like another um, uh, Tommy Asu at one point, that we were just going to spend months assuming he was going to arrive any second and then he'd pitch up at Arsenal or something. Um, I think as well, with that sort of Conte slightly disowning the transfer, A, I think that it's just Conte being sort of horribly honest as normal and asked a question and he just cannot lie. He's got some sort of weird curse against him that means he can't sort of say any sort of mistruth. Also, I don't know if it's a bad thing when your club is coached by Antonio Conte that the club sort of proactively makes a few signings looking to the future because Conte's, you know, with all the best hopes and dreams that we have, maybe like two or three seasons tops you get with Antonio Conte. So signing a few players that might come into their own in two, three, four, five seasons isn't probably the worst sort of way of having a two strand transfer sort of assault where you're both signing players for the world-class coach that probably is here for a good time, not a long time. And then also you're planning a bit for the future as well. So I'm, I'm, I was okay with this, this quote. Yeah. Get them in, get them learning. And then when Conte's gone, they can like apply what they've learned, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Sensible. Um, cool. I, yeah. Spence, I've got a feeling despite everyone sort of getting a bit hit up about those quotes from Conte, I think he'll end up playing quite a lot. I've got a feeling that one of those, and we'll get on to who's probably going to leave in a bit, but surely one of these right wing backs has got a clear off at some point. So I think he'll have a bit of a clearer lane than it appears right now. Um, Moving on, Tom, who's your pick, please? Well, guys, I have been on this podcast enough moaning about uh, us not signing another centre forward. Every summer, it drives me absolutely mental uh, that we've got no backup for Kane. You know, what other big club uh, operates with one striker? So I have to go for Richarlison. He's Premier League ready, which I think is pretty important given our track record with strikers. We did Soldado, Janssen and bloody hell uh, Vinicius. So uh, it's good to have someone who can hit the ground running. He's been playing in a terrible Everton side and still I think last season got 10 goals and five assists in the league, which isn't a bad return considering the team that he Mm. was playing in. Um, and I also love that he's clearly a total bastard as well. He has <laughs> he certainly enraged me when I've watched him play against us before. Um, he enrages opposition fans. We have needed a bastard for a while. I think like Delhi was a bit of a bastard in that every... And I've had rows with uh, fans, particularly sort of West Ham fans, obviously, um, about Delhi and, you know, opposition uh, fans absolutely hated him and his kind of antics, winding players up and getting players booked. I think we've needed that for a while. Uh, Pierre maybe is our, like, has been our nearest bastard for a while. We've now got Romero as well. So, yeah, I'm excited. He And it's going to be brilliant to be able to rest Kane or Son before a big game. We've got four competitions to be able to rest Kane before, say, a big Champions League game uh, and, uh, yeah, give him a break or, or just um, 
sub him off uh, on 60 minutes will be will be really exciting. And it's going to be interesting to see how he rotates those front three because Kulu was fairly undroppable at the end of last season, obviously. And I know, mm. Charlie, you're excited with how he started in pre-season as well. So. Kulu was incredible yesterday. I watched... Um, I watched it back this morning, um, sort of best parenting of the year where my daughter woke up horribly early. Um, I gave her the iPad to watch some sort of, some sort of nonsense. And I just stuck on Spurs play and watched, uh, and watched Spurs Rangers back. And we just sat in bed side by side on screens at 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> Um, and Kula was incredible. He didn't score. He should have probably scored one or two. And I, Billy, you were, you were watching and you were you were impressed by him as well. But he just looks so. He's, it looks like he's finally realised how strong he is, and that actually, when he does that sort of cutting in from the right onto his left thing, it's not really a defender that can live with him or sort of overpower him. And obviously, he's one of those weird players that looks really sort of cumbersome and like he's going to fall over his feet, but he's actually very technical and very skillful and his close control is ex- is exceptional as well. So I just think he's going to have a huge season. So I'm similarly to you, Tom, I, I'm really intrigued to see how the sort of four go into three and who ends up playing more or less matches. And also, because I guess the thing about Richarlison is at Everton, he either played through the middle or down the left sort of the, a lot of the time so he's played quite a lot of pre-season coming down the right where he looks okay but I don't think he looks as explosive sort of cutting in onto his right foot so it'd be interesting to see how how it all shakes out um Bill yeah and just um going back to Richarlison it's just I love the way he's like openly horny on his main Twitter account like I think it was like 4am in like Korean time. He was just like <laughs> openly messaging women on Twitter, like not even in the DMs, literally just tweeting them like live. And I think if you're going to come into a team and you're going to try and contend with probably the best front three in the Premier League, like that's the sort of confidence that you need. So I think it's a really good indicator of what kind of guy he is. Um, he just does not care about anything really. So, I, you know, I think that's why I'm really, really excited for him as well. It's interesting with him because as Tom rightly points out, he's a bastard on, on the pitch. As you've rightly pointed out, Billy, He's an absolute horn dog on social media. I was I've read a bunch of stuff since we signed him though. He does seem to be sort of off social media and football pitches. I saw someone, I think it was an ESPN Brazil uh football correspondent describe him as uh, Brazil's Marcus Rashford in terms of his sort of social awareness, the causes that he sort of fights for, he speaks up for. So he seems like quite an interesting character. Also, Ash, you turned me on to um the Brazil all or nothing where he's sort of quite a big character in that, isn't he? Yeah. And, and everyone loves him. That's mm. like the really interesting part about it is that like all his teammates, like just fall in love with him immediately. And I think um, just looking at like the squad, aside from the Brazilians making their annoying pigeon noises, um, like everyone just seems to like have fallen for him straight away. So I Sonny think, does like, particularly, doesn't he? Like, he seems yeah. to be tight with Sonny. Yeah, and I think um, he's going to just piss Arsenal off so much. And like, I, I can't wait for that. That's going to be like, the highlight of the season. I think it's also, uh, here is maybe where we mentioned the, how much Paratici and uh, Conte have changed Daniel Levy and Enoch in that one, we're talking about six signings. Mm. And as plenty of people have pointed out, we've actually strengthened in the area that we're strongest in, which is something we've never done. Whereas obviously certainly City and Chelsea and, and United as well. I mean, they're always buying players they don't need. 
um, and then ruining <laughs> them. Um, but uh, it's certainly something we've never done. So it's exciting that we spent 60 million in a position that we're so well covered in. We've got so much football. It's going to be really um, exciting to have, uh, have him come in on him. Yeah, I can't believe we've strengthened from a position of strength. That's literally never happened before in the history of our club, I think. And I feel almost like frightened by the competence. Do you know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, actually, when you're, when you're talking about Richarlison, it's true because it's like suddenly we now have like four fantastic forwards. And I am nervous about this season because like a lot of football is getting played and then just in the middle of it, they're just going to dump a World Cup. So yeah. I don't, you know, how on earth is that going to work out with injuries and just general tiredness, right? But it seems that we might have actually planned for that. Which I is think so. I think I think insane. you've got to because I mean, you know, well, the, you say the... that you say we've got to, but <laughs> <laughs> just, I mean, just from a pure logistical fact, the fact that the Champions League starts in early September, the group stage, and the group stage is wrapped up by the beginning of November. I mean, hopefully we progress because it could be over pretty <laughs> pretty swiftly because of this bastard World Cup that sort of turns up at the end of November. So so such a such a bizarre season. But as you say, Rosa, competence is seemingly winning out at the minute. And we look like we, you know, and also I think compared to Chelsea, for example, who we play very, very early in the season that are, I was just listening to Thomas Tuchel before we came on sort of bemoaning the you know lack of signings they've made, the fact that half the team want to leave, the general air of discontent that seems to be around their camp at the minute, particularly after being thrashed four 0 by Arsenal last night in the states. Like we seem to be such a happy camp, you know, everyone's in, everyone's you know, most of them got away to Korea. It's just very very unspurs like. Um, Billy, I know you're going to talk about someone who also adds to a position of strength that is, again, very un-Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, so um, I think Basuma is going to be a really good sign-in. Um, and I just want to go back to what Tom said earlier about um, Richarlison being Premier League ready. And I think if you look at Man City, what they often do is they sign the, the sort of best players from the rest. Like they just signed Calvin Phillips, they signed Grealish last season. They're about to sign Cucurella from Brighton as well. And I think like it's so important to have players that are ready to hit the ground running in the Premier League. Um, I know we had this sort of exception to the rule and Kudosevsky and Benton Club came in straight away, but that is so rare for us, especially as a club. You know, when we look at people like Dio, um, Dio and Tongi and stuff like that, it just doesn't happen. If, you, you know, if you're buying someone from another league, mm. the risk is like intensified hugely. So I think buying someone who we know, we saw it you know, live many times in the season when he dominated our own midfield, he's going to come in, he knows what the Premier League is like, and he's, you know, adding to an already position of strength where we've got Four now, a good set of four midfielders of him, Pierre, um, Bentoncler, and Skip, um, who hopefully we will see again. I know he seems yeah. to have another injury again somehow. Um, but I think that's a really good set of midfielders. Um, yeah, so I'm really, really buzzing for that signing. Who um, who do you think is going to start first day in central midfield, Bill? I, I don't know. I really don't know. I think I think Hoybier is just one of those players that every manager plays in almost every yeah. game. I'd be very surprised if anyone sort of like usurps him certainly earlier on in the season. I think it might... I think he'll stick with Benton Kerr and Hoybier for the first couple games, but I think eventually, I think Hoybier might make way for Basuma eventually, like long term. But I, I think we've got kind of with Conte, what he's all about is sort of getting out of this mentality that we have like a first eleven. It was sort of mm. just, I think we're just going to see chop and change between that in, the, in that area a lot in the season, um, and I think we've got four really good options there, so it's a good time to do it. 
I'm showing my um, my small club mentality by asking you who the who the two starters are there. I I apologise, Antonio. Well, plus the five subs thing this season as well, yeah. which, which we haven't touched on. That he's, I mean, the work rate that Conte wants from players clearly the probably the positions that where people are going to get most exhausted are those wing backs and the and the centre mids kind of spraying the ball about and having to having to track back. Yeah, and like like um, you were saying about kind of that big club mentality. Certainly, again, Chelsea and City and Liverpool pretty much always have two brilliant centre mids on their mm. on their bench and two on the pitch. So it's going to be wicked to have four. I don't think I've yet quite wrapped my head around how different the whole five subs thing is going to make Premier League matches. I think you're going to see like loads of half-time subs, sort of triple substitutions on like 50 minutes and basically managers approaching it like you've got sort of two halves and you could almost, you know, get rid of half your team and start from scratch if if it's not going so well. Or if say you've got a game midweek and you want to, you know, sit people down for a bit of a rest, it's going to be, I've, my, my worry is it will, certain matches will start feeling a bit like pre-season games in second halves when you suddenly have this spate of subs and it all becomes a bit disjointed and a bit weird. But um, I guess I trust that Conte will be one of the very best at managing that situation and figuring out the right time to bring people on and all that kind of stuff. So I reckon we'll probably do better than most from it. Um, yeah, I think we'll be all right. I think that the, I think the worst thing about it is that it is ultimately going to obviously benefit the richest club and mm. it will be interesting to see what clubs like really, really, really struggle this year. And I'm very relieved we've made all these signings because it, I mean, it is going to massively, massively affect like smaller teams, basically, isn't it? Like it's horrible. I do feel like it's horrible, really, because I think it's just another way to benefit like the bigger clubs. Um, I just don't get why they didn't bring it in because originally it was a sort of COVID thing, right? So, and most of Europe brought it in last season. And for some reason now, I guess maybe the World Cup's a consideration, but it seems like the Premier League's a year behind the rest of Europe with it. But I don't know. Billy, were you going to add something on the five subs thing? Yeah, I was just going to, um, talking about, again, going back to Richarlison, like, I think it's the first time ever where we've got like a name big enough that you could maybe see a situation where Harry Kane doesn't start a Premier League game or a Champions mm. League game. Um, obviously, with a view to resting him, not, not that he would ever be out of the team otherwise. Um, but I think it's the first time ever we've had a, a name that's big enough for Harry Kane to sort of think okay, I will sit this one out because, you know, we all know about Harry Kane as he plays every game for us, um, which has been to his detriment over the years um, in terms of his fitness. So I think Rich Arlison is just like a total game changer. And if Conte says to Kane, look, um, we've got a Champions League game coming up on Wednesday. You're going to have to sit this one out, start mm-hmm. on the bench. It's now finally a big enough name where we can actually afford to do that and it not damage the team too much. It'll be interesting to see how Kane reacts to that though, won't it? Because... Um... He is a player who wants to play every minute. Uh, he kind of doesn't seem to ever get subbed or like getting subbed. So, yeah, that'll be interesting. But I think, you know, like you said, it is to his detriment that he, uh, you know, he ends up with these injuries because he has to play every minute. So, fingers crossed he's, uh, he doesn't get arsy about that. And also, it is that five-sub thing is almost a, like, gives players impetus to, like, 
just blitz another team mm. in the first half, particularly if you've got a Champions League game on Wednesday, to kind of come out of the blocks and just like ha- play so intensely for 60 minutes and then come off. And I think now that we're in the Champions League, it's very different to be in the Europa League or the Europe, uh, Europa Conference League because Kane will want to play in the Champions League. Like he can't, he yeah. can't physically play every single Premier League and Champions League game. It's just it's not possible. Um, so I think we don't have the sort of benefit of being able to rest him in the midweek game because now it's arguably just as important as a league game. So it'd be good to see what like how that dynamic works. I I can't wait. I'm so excited to see those four. I mean. As I said, like I think Kulisevsky is going to take a step up. We've not even mentioned Sonny once so far, really, and he's obviously our golden boot winner. That's you know the informed forward in in Europe. And Harry Kane has played pre-season like he's going to score like thirty league goals and fifty in all comps. He just looks like he's in the best shape of his life. Um, speaking of people in good shape as they enter, uh, Harry's not that old, so my weird. Segway didn't really work, but I'm going to talk about even Perisic. <laughs> um, I have taken so much pleasure from watching Arsenal fans on social media, just, just in general, just watching them on social media, but specifically trying to use Perisic as like a reason to sort of take the piss out of our transfer dealings this summer, as if we're like signing sort of weird old pensioners and it's going to be the sort of financial ruin of us and all this kind of stuff. It's extraordinary to me. Like, the, I think a couple of things. Like, he's obviously not your normal sort of 33 year old that is coming to the end of his career. He looks like an absolute freak of nature physically. And I think he also belongs to that sort of top level elite generation now that is proving through, you know, sort of sports science, nutrition, sort of restraints. You know, they don't drink or do anything bad to their bodies, these guys that you can keep going into your mid-30s and still be at the very, very top. You know, you've got Modric, Lewandowski, Benzema, Ronaldo, tons of these guys. Maybe Perisic isn't quite at that level talent-wise, but honestly, I don't think he's too far off if you look at what he's done. Um, And I just think that, you know, the sort of tap-ins that Sonny and Kane are going to get from this guy this season, not to mention whoever ends up playing right wing back with the crosses that he'll be swinging in from left to right are just going to, all of that is just going to make him an absolute joy to watch. And yeah, I think he's going to elevate us. Yeah. And I just think he'll be someone that the team can look to in tougher moments. I think that he's been there. He's done that. He's been in world cup finals, champions league finals. He's won titles in multiple countries. Um, I just think that for a lot of our guys who perhaps haven't gotten over the line, he's just going to be an absolute godsend for them to sort of look to even players like Kane, quite honestly, I think just having someone like that, that even he will be looking up to, I think the sort of respect level that he'll carry in that squad uh, will be through the roof. And obviously someone that Conte will trust um, as a sort of on pitch Lieutenant. So yeah, I just think he's going to elevate us on the pitch, off the pitch He's going to be incredible. Uh, So he's my pick. Um, yeah, he's absolutely elite and it is insane for fans of other teams to be like, why have you bought this washed up old dude? It's crazy. I don't like, what? When was what's the last kind of player that we had like that really? I mean, because obviously Bale came back, mm. but he came back and... He Maybe did, like David. David, but David was like this Maybe was at the end, right? and obviously he was noticeably Davids, declining at that point. Like, yeah, you could tell even, he was... but even then he gave like where we were, he gave us like mm. such a lift. There was such a buzz around him. But uh, yeah, I can't really think because none of our guys have really. Yeah, they, 
like he will be the one who's properly won stuff who's yeah. really really done it and yeah he's not he's not like ancient my god the thing as well like the fact that he also fits the system so perfectly it's not like we've bought some guy that is going to have to learn how to play wing back or some guy that is like being crowbarred into a Conte system. He knows everything that Conte wants from him. He even to the point where, you know, the weird sort of history they've got where in Conte's first preseason at Inter, Perisic like basically tapped out and was like, I don't think I can do wing back in a Conte team. So sell, like get rid of me. So Conte sent him off to Bayern, had a season where he won the treble and comes back. And then Conte's like, okay, cool. You know how to do it now. Great. And then they win the league. So, I mean, he just, even that story itself, the fact that he sort of went away and came back and sort of proved himself to Conte, I think just shows what an elite sort of mentality this guy's got. Yeah. And there's a, um, there's a compilation during, the, I know we've spoken about this before, but there's um, a compilation during the rounds of Harry Kane's season at the moment. Um, his preseason. Uh, his, no, his, his uh, last season. Sorry. Oh, okay, cool. And, um, the amount of balls that he put through to Reggion last season that Reggion ended up missing. Mm. If that's Perisic this season, it's just going to be goals, goals, goals. Like it's, I know someone did a, also did a compilation where they sort of mixed Harry Kane and Perisic together. And that was really, really well made. But like the, Perisic getting on the, to the end of those sort of Kane passes is going to be like, it's going to be lethal. This is it. Like whoever ends up playing right wing back and Perisic slash, I mean, hopefully Cess, like Cess does also play a bunch of games and we want think we're all big fans of Cesc and we all want the very best for him so hopefully he learns from Perisic and ends up kicking on um just I feel like with Cessignon he just needs to score a really good goal I think he needs to like score a goal where he like takes it past someone or scores in 25 yards and then he'll have that last little injection of confidence that he needs because I still think he's kind of just playing within himself a little bit he's sort of second guessing things and Maybe, yeah, he just needs a goal. I don't know. But um be interesting to see who also starts a left wing back for Southampton because Perisic obviously had that injury, only played half an hour against Rangers. Maybe he plays from the start against Roma on the weekend. We shall see. Um, obviously, there's only five of us, which means that Fraser Forster does not get a shout out. Um, sorry, big Fraser. Um, I enjoyed... Uh, how much you found all the Rangers fans booing you very funny um, on the weekend against uh, against Rangers. So I think you should be a good character. And I also forget with him that he did play like, in my head, he was Southampton's backup keeper and like just hasn't played for Southampton for ages. But as I was reminded, like he was their goalkeeper for that mad game where Southampton beat Arsenal 1-0. And, you know, there was that incredible save that he made from Saka and they had all these point blank chances and they just couldn't put the ball in the net because he was an absolute monster. So I don't think he's as past it as perhaps I thought he was. And I had him down as a bit of a sort of slightly more luxe Joe Hart, who would be good around the place and a nice character. But actually, he might be quite a competent keeper. Did he play in that game that was like very controversial where he kind of dropped the ball and we should have won? He, he did, yeah. I forgot that he was also in goal for that. Yeah, he got away with that one a bit. Yeah, that was very annoying. I, mean, I, <laughs> I remember Rosa being very angry about that for about a month. 
At least, at least. Ruined her, ruined, ruined her Christmas, didn't it, Rose? <laughs> um, I think Forster's a good, I think he's a good addition to the squad, as they say. Um, like, largely because he's just, like, not Galini. And I just, I can't really look at that dude anymore, to be honest. We don't um, have to now. He's gone. Yeah, exactly. We don't have so to. it's fine. Um, yeah, I think he'll be good. And I think he'll be a lot, lot, lot better than Joe Hart, really. Surely. Surely. Yeah. And you'd imagine, because we're in the Champions League now, not the Europa or the Conference, like he's only going to really play like Carabao Cup games and maybe some FA Cup games if we're drawn against lower league teams. So I doubt he'll, you know, injury to Hugo notwithstanding he we you know we'll just see him on the bench being sort of jovial with substitutes and that'll be about it I imagine so um still good to have around the place not actually past it and also we didn't, we're not doing that weird Spurs thing that we seem to do most most seasons where we use up a valuable sort of non-homegrown player on a substitute keeper which used to drive me insane when we've already got a foreign goalkeeper as our number one anyway um Let's move on to, well, actually, one other question regarding incomings. Um, what, who else do you, what other positions do you want to see come in? The two positions that seem to be getting spoken about most, a sort of playmaker and another centre-back if Tanganga, as expected, goes off to Italy. And I think we all, put, well, we'll get into maybe Rodon and whether or not he's going to go in a minute, but is anyone really like, yearning for anyone anyone else Billy is anyone you're sort of really really want to see come in no not really other than those two positions you mentioned and I think we've, we've got all the the hard work done now so we can afford ourselves a bit more time getting those positions right mm. um, I do think we do need another centre back because as Ash mentioned earlier if Dyer does get injured um, we're back to sort of square one and we, we the level of our team dropped off a lot when Dyer was injured um, so I'd like to get another centre-back in and I'd like to get a playmaker in. I think it's interesting, again, keep an eye on the homegrown thing because I think one of those two will be homegrown and one of them probably won't be. So I know we've been linked to people like Madison and there's the um, Kilman at Wolves as a homegrown centre-back that could be an option or the, the guy at Palace, I forget his name, um, the centre-back at Palace who's English. Mark well. yeah. That's the one, yeah. And um, so, yeah, I think it'd be interesting to keep an eye on the homegrown thing as well because I think one of them will probably have to be homegrown. So... Um, and it, I, I think of the attacking midfielders, I'd love to sign Madison. I think I, I hate him as a person, but I think he'd be such a good player for us. Um, because I do think with those four midfielders that we mentioned earlier, they're all kind of in a similar mold. We don't really have that sort of the creative one um, to go alongside them. So I think that's one of the areas which I want to see us strengthen. It's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously we do seem pretty wedded to this formation and therefore in that formation, a number 10 sort of creative type doesn't necessarily fit but I suppose with all the football we're going to play um, the fact you want to be able to sort of mix it up in game you know move to you know having a sort of number 10 behind a couple of strikers or whatever means that we surely want to have that option in our back pockets but but I suppose if you're talking about Madison being maybe the prime target for that position is Madison going to want to come if he's just going to be a sort of plan B off the bench I'm not sure Ash like if you're if you were Madison and you were approached by Spurs right now would you would you do it yeah and I think I think most like footballers would because I think their mindset is that they want to like they think they they can play anywhere Mm. they wouldn't have probably got to this level if they kind of thought they might be a, a sub option and maybe that's me being delusional but no, it's me being small time again. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think like, why wouldn't he want to come and like play with Kane and Son? I think like, and in the Champions League, 
Yeah, like, I just think that's like, and he is a bit of a knob, but like, I hated Richarlison about six weeks ago, and now he's like my favourite player. So <laughs> I can kind of probably forgive him in a couple of weeks. So yeah, I think he'd love to come. Where does everyone else stand on Madison? Because it feels like, judging from the way a lot of the Spurs reporters are talking about it, it seems like they've all been steered away from it, but also with this kind of asterisk that, well, maybe, you know, if things change and Leicester look like they're probably going to have to sell before, and Leicester, I think Leicester are the only team in the Premier League as of Sunday night when we're recording this that haven't signed a player yet all summer. They've not signed anyone because I guess they're waiting for some money from Tielemans or perhaps Madison leaving. So it seems like they might need the cash. So I guess it does feel like one of those moves that Spurs might just be waiting to pounce. Um, Rosa, are you a Madison fan? Um, I'm like, I'm ready to be convinced, to be honest. Mm. He's not a player that I've ever really thought that much about. Um, I think we do... Even with even with the system that we have, we're always going to have games where we need someone to just come on and pick a lock. That's just always, always going to be true. Um, so kind of why not really? If he, I'm, I'm in that position right now where I'm like, if he wanted to come and we got him, I'd be like, great, that was a brilliant um, purchase, Tottenham. And if he, you know, said no thanks or went somewhere else, I'd be like, well, he's shit and we don't care anyway. Um, do you know what I mean? I'm like, it doesn't really matter, basically. I'm not too bothered. Um, my, I was talking to my dad about this the other day and he was like, what, why, don't, why aren't we going? Why aren't we in for like Frankie de Jong? And I was like, oh, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> I was like, sometimes you just dream a bit too big. Um, but I think, we, you know, we do, we do need someone in that position and... Let's, well, that uh, yeah. that does, if I'm going to play sort of devil's advocate, I suppose some of the more conservative takes on Tottenham's window so far is that, you know, they went into the window with this like 150 million war chest, um, you know, promising the world, etc. And I've seen some people be like, well, have Spurs actually like gone and signed players that can come into the 11 and massively keep the team on or is it just more of a sort of solid yeah the squad's a bit better but you know where are the De Jong's where are the Bastoni's where are all these sort of superstar signings that perhaps a lot of us thought maybe not a lot of us some people thought that Spurs might be making going into the summer I mean I think that's kind of ridiculous and nonsense and like Conte is too far into this game for people to be doubting you know he's the sort of guy that takes good players and turns them into brilliant players and takes brilliant players up another level. So I'm, I'm not stressed about it, but it's, does anyone had a kind of like, actually, where is the 60 million pound centre back? Why aren't we signing, you know, Richarlison and someone else, anyone on that sort of fence? I think, um, I think the centre back situation is really interesting because it's, I think like, from what I gather, like we've basically decided that we're just going to buy Bastoni next year or, um, Baradol, um, because I, I think the intention was to sign Bastoni, and it's basically transpired that he, he won't leave into at the moment. I think so. What we've done instead is sort of sign Longley on a short-term deal with no option, and then next year, hopefully, that we've mm. still got that, that sort of money left over. So I think what we're doing in the centre-back region is quite smart, and I think it's about looking at the long-term picture of what we're going to do. Um, and I do think we're going to buy a left centre-back next summer, and we probably will spend a lot of money on it. So I'm not too worried about that one. And then like. 
I do think we still are going to buy. I think we're going to drop 60 mil or 50 mil on another player. Um, and I think we're just going to save that for attacking midfielder. So I know um, Zaniola is another men- player that's been mentioned, mm. but I don't really know much about him, to be honest. I do find it weird that we're in this sort of Italian era. We don't have any Italian players now. Um, so we kind of want one. Yeah, I, exactly. I love an Italian. Got, they don't uh, want to come to London. Players. We've discussed this so many times. There's like so many Italians in London, and not one single footballer wants to do it. I have to say, I think those, I think those takes um, are actually crazy. Like it was not that long ago that we did not sign a single player for 18 <laughs> months. 18 months. Like, come on, guys. Like, and now we've got six. I mean, you know, it's five really, but that's just crazy be not you know be thankful for what you have but actually yes be thankful for what you have and you're right it's Conte this is absolute madness mm. I, I I hear all that but I also think like I do want both of the players now I don't want to wait because Kane and Son are in their prime and like a year or two years from now Conte might not be here so it kind of feels like this is actually the moment to do it um so I'm really happy with what we've got. And I think they're all really good signings. I think people are, are going to be really pleasantly surprised by like, the expense and like how good Basuma is going to be, for instance. But like if we can get the centre-back and like the creative option as well, then I think we can really do something that's going to surprise a lot of people. I think we will. I would be shocked if we didn't sign. Because I think the chance... Well, we should dive into the outgoings because we're, we're really rattling on... Um, with the incomings, but I think that I think we're going to get both. I do. I think we're we're just sort of biding our time to make sure we, you know, we wait for an opportunity in the market because these are kind of added bonus signings. I think now we're talking about. They are, and I just I know we need to move on, but I just want to say one more thing as well, which is that. I is think it about Ben because, Davis? <laughs> you know, we'll 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 get there. We'll get there. Um, but also, you know, uh, muzzles off. Um, ben, because you got married and it looked like a delightful day by all accounts. Um, I just wanted to say, because we didn't have our sort of wrap up pod where we really got to kind of bask. We bust a little bit, but just we didn't kind of get to go through the whole of last mm. season from the sort of misery of the beginning and the new no era and the first 10 games and everything. And the sort of miracle that was getting Champions League. And it's like now we're in it we've sort of kind of, we've almost kind of got used to the fact that it happened and we did it. But there was so much of last season where it wasn't going to happen. And Antonio Conte did that for us. And if we don't get any more players, I don't care really, because I know that that man can work absolute miracles. Yeah, I'm with Rosa. I'm absolutely so happy uh, with the six that we've got so far and anything else is a bonus. I guess, yeah, we're about to talk about outs, if there's sort of 40, 50 million quid lying around spare uh, in a few weeks, then I'd be happy for us to get Madison, to be honest. Um, But I'm very happy with where we are now. And as someone else said, we did go 18 months without any signing. So this (laughs) feels uh, glorious. And we trust in Conte, of course. And Rose is entirely right. I mean, not only have we not really had the opportunity to bask in what happened in May, but, you know, over the summer as well, I mean, Billy, you might touch on it when we get into uh, to your rolling in the tweets, perhaps. And maybe we'll save the Arsenal fan meltdown tweets for a sort of all or nothing um, themed one when that when that drops in a in a week or so. But I mean, it was incredible. It was amazing. Like we were we were we were done for, and now we're sat sort of 
moaning about not spending another 60 million on certain players. And it's, it's funny to me as well how um, now we're back in the Champions League. I just, it feels like it did a couple of years ago when we were in the Champions League all the time. And I've, I think the sort of hell that was the Europa and the conference seasons have just, I've just sort of parked those in the very depths of my mind. And now I'm just like, yeah, of course, Spurs are a Champions League club. That's just what we are. It's, we're back. It's going to be great. Um, probably get to the final again. To do so, we need to sell some players, though, which is what we're going to talk about now. Um, so I have assigned everyone a player, and I want each of us to talk about that player and tell the group whether they should stay or leave, maybe be loaned somewhere in the middle. Um, Ash, you've got Jaffet Tanganga, um, who is probably the nearest to the exit door, it seems, with AC Milan locked in talks. Is that for him to be sold or to be loaned? I can't quite work out. I think it's the report seemed to be some haggling around whether it's it's definitely a loan, but then whether it's a loan with an obligation or a loan with an option. It sounds like Spurs would rather a loan with an obligation, um, whereas Milan sort of want to do a proper try before you buy. Yeah, I I don't really care if he stays or goes because I don't think he's good enough, but. Um... I, I don't know. I guess with like the likes of Skip and I always, and like Carl Walker Peters being like the worst example of it. I, I would love if he just went on loan and we can just like see how good he is playing every week. Cause when he came in initially, I was really excited. And then he sort of like, it all went to pot under Nuno and I'm not sure if that was him or Nuno. Um, but overall, yeah, I'm not, I'm not like sold, um, but I just like love him personally and mm. he's like, local and I'd like love it if he did make it but it does seem like a way off so yeah maybe he's one that has to has to go I think it's frustrating isn't it because I looked up his stats he has played he's played as many Premier League games as he is years old and that is not good like he needs to be playing football and through injuries and being you know down the pecking order he's just simply and also being a bit of a late starter as well I guess he just has not played enough first team football. So I agree. I think in a dream world, you would send him off somewhere. And I think in a super dream world, you would send him off somewhere in the Premier League and see how he looks playing centre back or right back or wherever it is, you know, playing every week up against Premier League opposition. And then you make your decision. But I just also think that maybe the club have decided that, you know, if you can get, I think the the sum of money was something like seventeen million. Maybe they feel like that's a good a good sort of get for him. And and if and if Conte wants him to go, I think like it's equally important to like get rid of the players that he doesn't yeah. want as it to like buy the players that like he's asked for. Um, and I know that like maybe Tanganga, if he doesn't make it here, like people will like deem it not to be a success. But he's like a local lad, and if we send him for seventeen million to AC Milan, like. I think that is a really big success for like the academy and for the club. So, yeah, yeah, I think the dream surely for Tottenham is to start getting sums of money like that, like City do, like Chelsea do, where they're selling yeah. these kids that have played about three minutes of League Cup football for twelve million a pop. It's it's mad, and our kids don't seem to be anywhere near that level, which hopefully they're working on. Um, so, ultimate verdict: Ash, Jaffet Tanganga. Uh, he can go. He can be sold. He can be exactly. sold. Okay. Yeah. Goodbye, Jaffet. Good luck in Milan. Um, a lovely spot for him, though. Like, what an amazing place to. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how he's going to play every week there. That seems slightly bonkers to me. But 
Um, you know, they're the champions of Italy. What a great move. Um, okay, Tom, Joe Rodon. Well, talking of centre-backs who haven't played much. Um, mm, who yeah. are also older than you think. He's another one that's like 24 now, I think, Joe Rodon. I, I had to go back and check because, like, I, I thought felt like I was missing something with Rodon. Like, did... <laughs> Did he have a spell where he played loads and was he loved under any manager? But no, I don't think, like, I think Jose played him a bit. I, I, I checked his stats. He played 12 Prem games in 2021 and three, three last season. Wow. Um, it's not a lot of football, is it? It feels like there's something we don't know behind the scenes. I don't know. Does, is he not that great in training? Is his attitude not that great? Because... No manager has exactly loved him. Uh, so I'd say, yeah, it's definitely time for him to go. It's interesting with the centre-backs as well, because we're talking about Tanganga and Roden. We're not talking about Sanchez, who cost a hell of a lot of money. I should and, have probably put Dav on the list, shouldn't I? But I feel I like mean, he's he slightly redeemed himself to the point where I can't see anyone or anyone at Tottenham think, wanting to sell yeah, him. Yeah, don't even think about it. Yeah, look, he's staying forever. I think <laughs> last season, me and Rosa were both um, quite defensive over... Uh, over Dav and he did improve when he came in for Dyer in like what was it January February uh, when Romero and well, Romero was out as well sorry mm. um, but he, and he also cost a load of money so I just feel like he's not going to go because we're not going to make anywhere near yeah. w- what we paid for him whereas Roden whatever 12 million send him to Brighton or someone I'm very happy for him to go he's also almost certainly going to the World Cup um, with Wales mm-hmm. and when I've seen him play for Wales he plays quite well to be honest um, but yeah he can he can go and if we can get some money for him rather than him having to go out on loan that would be preferable so you, you'd sell not loan oh I, you're, I d- you're think, done with Joe you're done with him look he's had a couple of years he's had many different managers partly mm. because we've been a basket case of a club <laughs> um, but yeah clearly he hasn't really impressed anyone at the club, uh, so I think we should cut our losses and and uh, sell him. Okay, it's two sales so far, right, Billy? Someone is going from your pick. Uh, I feel like I'm off. I'm sort of doing a bit of a Sophie's Choice for you here. It's your boy Emerson Royale, or also your boy Matt Doherty. We've got to get rid of one of them, surely. Which ones are going to be, mate? I I honestly have no idea at this point, like. I think it's such a strange situation the fact that we've got three right backs and then Conte's like coming out in public saying he's also sort of turning Lucas Moore into a right back as well. <laughs> so what, we've got like four players that can now play there. Um, it doesn't seem to be much movement from about Doherty, um, Matt Doherty going. I think it's going to be Emerson. Um, and I, I kind of, you know, everyone knows Emerson is very, very close to my heart. This is a guy who after a friendly in South Korea, tweeted um, Spurs Thailand in Thai saying thank you for your support. Um, his social media game will be deeply missed. He's also about compilations for friendlies, which again, is just sort of like, that's the thing we're going to miss the most about him. But I also have this deep feeling about Emerson is that if you're playing against Man City away or Liverpool away, I would start Emerson over Doherty and um, Spence. Mm. I think this like is, Ash, this is your thing with him as well, right? So I think like, yeah. and I just... I just think if you're playing against those those huge games away in the Champions League final, uh, Champions League, or you know cities, Liverpool, the big sides away, Emerson, I'd much rather have Emerson on the t- on the team sheet. Um, so in answer to the question, I, I honestly don't know if either of them are going to go. I think there's a weird part of me which thinks we might just keep all of them. 
Um, I would be very surprised if Emerson does not start against Southampton because uh, I don't think Doherty played much in pre-season at all. Well, the weird thing about the Rangers game is that Matt Doherty was the only player that travelled that didn't, apart from uh, Brandon Austin, the third-choice um, young keeper, he was the he was the only outfield player that travelled that didn't get on the pitch, which seems, yeah, it's, seems it's mad. Weird. And it seems like, I know obviously he's come back from a huge injury and that's that in itself is a huge thing. Um, you never know what sort of player he's going to be because when he was in the team, mm. just before the injury, he was fantastic. But for most of his Tottenham career, he has not been a fantastic player for us. So I, I don't know. I really do not know which one. If I had to pick at the moment, I would say keep Emerson. Um, wow. And again, again, I was also watching that Rangers game and I just forgot how annoying he is. Like some of I mean, the, the position that he gets him were like unbelievable. It's like um, at best you're going to get a corner when yeah, he's got the ball. So yeah, that's, just, that's, that's the size of it. But I think for the defensive like capabilities, I would keep him over Doherty. Um, but I honestly wouldn't be surprised if both of them end up staying. I really would not be surprised about that um, because I, I just don't see Doherty as like nowhere near the first eleven at the moment. From what it seems like in preseason, I don't think we're going to sell him either. So I just think it's going to be those weird situations where we might sort of keep both until January and then see what happens in January. Doherty seems to be. Um very popular as well, right? Well, has anyone figured out what, like, he's just great for vibes, is he? Because Kane, Kane clearly loves him. Um, so maybe they just, yeah, they just want to keep him around because he's... dire as well. Because mm. let's be honest, one of those videos, what was it to do with Doherty's goatee? Kane has terrible banter. So maybe <laughs> Dyer just, like, needs, and, and a couple of other players just need Doherty around to, like, provide the lulls. Yeah, I was just thinking, just as you said that, that Doey has got to be the worst ever football nickname. And only Kane is the only person who ever seems to use it. But that is just like, just makes me, gives me the ick so bad that nickname. Um, it does feel weird that most of our sort of right wing backs are kind of comedy characters, <laughs> whether it's like Doey, Royale, even Lucas is a bit of a sort of you know, pigeon squawking meme at the best of times. Um, Spence, you have to save us from this weird right wing back purgatory we found ourselves in, please. It's just like three like personalities and then hopefully one actual footballer. <laughs> and it's mad because like Conte's whole system hinges on wing backs and... I, I got a feeling you're right, Billy. I think they're all, he's like not convinced by any of them. So he wants to keep as many around for whatever the fixture, whoever sort of best suits. Cause you're right. I mean, remember that Anfield game? I mean, Emerson Royale was probably the best Spurs player on the pitch that night. He didn't put a foot wrong. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it reminds me of that, um, you know, the peep show quote where it's, um, Jeremy gets four arm reds. It's like, Four right backs, Antonio. That is insane. And like, <laughs> we're just in this situation, man. Or Spencer side, who I know is like, I don't know, where we've got like three right backs and none of them are that good. They're sort of like all a sort of mixture of having really good things about them and also having a lot of negatives. We're um, also um, like slightly forgetting that this crop of banter right backs came soon after Serge Aurier as well, <laughs> who arguably is the ultimate banter right back. And he's actually um, now a free agent as well. So um, yeah. Oh, my God. Bring him back. <laughs> You're kidding. What, what a surprise. <laughs> I can't believe Villarreal didn't take a longer punt on him than a year's contract. wonder what went wrong. Um, I was slightly sort of unnerved by, um, by Jed Spence taking Serge's old squad number as well. I feel like we're all going to have 
slightly kind of PTSD moments when we see Spence making a sort of last ditch tackle and all we see is the number 24 on his back. Um, it's going to be just, weird. Just like do a throw in correctly. That's it. The, <laughs> that's where the bar is. It's that low. That's all I need. Oh God, who would have thought we'd have this sort of torrid post Carl Walker era on the, on the right side. Very thanks Kyle. Arsenal. Um Okay. Billy is clearly that's that's a question that's going to keep you up for for nights. I think choosing between those two, um, Rosa, you've got maybe a more chilled choice to make here with Brian Hill. Yeah, and I feel sort of mean about this, but I'm like just sell him. To be honest, I know I feel like you guys quite like him. I have never really seen it. Um, I think he's just I've, I've just kind of never really seen like he's looked sort of busy I guess whenever I've seen him but you know good effort but he's too flimsy I think for the league and if he was homegrown maybe I could see there would be an argument for kind of keeping him Mm -hmm. and sending him out on loan somewhere else but as it is I just I I don't think it's going to happen because he doesn't even seem to have had a very successful loan period back at Valencia. So in a league that is probably more suited to him. So it just feels a bit, I feel bad. I don't really know what he was bought for or, you know. At great expense, let's not forget. He was so, so pricey. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. Like for real, we yeah, put Lamella like, in, didn't we? Lamella was in the deal, and um, and, and twenty five oh million, twenty five million plus yeah. Lamella. So it's okay, what, in that case, like definitely get rid because I, I can't, I can't do this dance again. No, we just have to. If it didn't work, it's been yeah, it's been a year and it's not been great. So I'm sorry, Brian. Um, you looked really charming in your handbook in South Korea, but we'll always have that photo. And thanks and good night, basically. We are, just a word for Steve Hitchin here as well, right? Because we are going to end up writing off fallen hero. a lot of cash this summer, right? We, I know we, I think Ash is going to get on to our couple of centre mids in a minute. But <laughs> we, what, what happened? How much did we get for Jack Clark? Did anyone... Uh, was I don't think it? that figure was, was released. Was it? Because yeah. it was tiny. Apparently, there are a lot of add-ons that could be achieved that would make it a bit more respectable but lest we forget that was he was 10 million pounds on the basis of like five good sub appearances for Leeds I am convinced utterly convinced that Poch either like did a solid for his old mentor Bielsa to like give Leeds some cash for their sort of promotion bids that summer which they did then get promoted um I think that season um or I don't know, like Hitchin was on, I'm going to say Hitchin was on the take. I don't mean that. I don't want us to get sued. I don't think Steve Hitchin was on the take. Um, something <laughs> was also, he, the, the fellow, he was our first signing after 18 months and that was who we got. Was just They also, Leeds had some exciting players at the yeah. time. Who could have got and, Calvin Phillips for that, yeah. probably? <laughs> and like their, their fans were pretty surprised when we bought this sort of fairly unknown player who played a couple of games for, for 10 mil. Yeah, another 5 mil, we probably could have got Calvin Phillips and where is he now? I think your Poch theory is correct, to be honest. Like, ever since you first said that, I'm like, that's definitely it, because they're just... I feel really bad for Jack Clark, but 
there just isn't a player there, is there? Let's be he, honest. He's probably going to be a very decent championship winger, is my my thoughts on his ceiling. I can't see him ever being a Premier League footballer, personally. Um, so Brian Hill, so I just love 21.6 million we paid for him, plus Eric Lamella. Um, I think a load of add-ons as well that he is never in a million years going to sort of check off. So it's a lot of money, isn't it? It's a lot of money. So I also the fact that I don't think we're that bothered because I think if we were, I think we would be moving heaven and earth to try and get him alone to a Premier League club just to get him those minutes in the Premier League to see if he was ready or he could actually cut it over here. But the fact that I think Sampdoria are in talks at the minute for a loan move or a permanent deal, I don't know. That'd be nice. Do that, Brian. Yeah. Right, go to Samp. Lovely. Yeah, we all like Sampdoria yeah. on this podcast. That'd be fine. Um, okay, so another one sold, gone. Um, I had uh, Pape Matasar. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say loan. We definitely shouldn't sell him. That would be insane because I think he's um, he's also Africa's Young Player of the Year. He won this week, didn't he? Um, and I think he's looked pretty good in preseason. From what I've seen, he's come on. He's looked tidy. He looks like he's a real athlete. I think he's struck up some chemistry with a lot of the players already. So he seems like he's got a bit about him. Um, the fact that he's playing at all in preseason, I think is quite promising. Seems we've got hundreds of central midfielders. So yeah, I would definitely, definitely loan him, ideally in England, but definitely somewhere where you're going to get assurances over his playing time because you want to you see him playing every week. So I would loan... Uh, Saar. My temptation there was to keep him till January and sort of have him train with Conte and the group um, and then see where we are in January and then maybe send him off. But I kind of feel like having a whole season playing somewhere is maybe more beneficial. Ash, are you going to take a different stance here? I, I think he should stay because okay. um, Skip just seems to get injured all the time and we're going to need five subs and we've only got four centre midfielders. So either like we buy this like attacking central midfielder option they kind of can fit in as well or he should just stay because I think he'll actually like get enough minutes and they're like bits and pieces I've seen he does just look really promising he has the build mm. of a 15 year old schoolboy, but then when he's like <laughs> on the pitch he actually looks really good um so I'm, I'm quite excited about Sar actually um from the like the, the small bits that I've seen he looks really good and he really does kind of count as our sort of seventh signing of the summer really because obviously we didn't see him at all last year he stayed at Mets so um, yeah maybe he does stay maybe he does stay um, speaking of youngsters I guess we'll also see loans for Troy Parrott and then there's also talk of loans for Scarlett Dane Scarlett and Alfie Devine as well who both uh, won tournament the, the um, under 19s was it the under England under 19s they won um, both starting for England throughout that tournament. I think Divine particularly standing out. And he seems to me like the one, there is a kid that's going to come through. I feel like it's Alfie Divine. Scarlett, I am praying to God does it because it would be it'd be a wonderful story if you have another homegrown striker come through. But I just feel like striker is so hard to sort of get that chance. It's like you only really have one striker in a team and it's very, very difficult. But that would be amazing. But do you reckon both those... Both Parrot, it sounds like he's going on his, on his way to a championship team quite soon. But Scarlett and Devines, we reckon they're kind of old enough now to go out and play proper man's football somewhere. Yeah, I think so. I think they're both linked with um, championship loans. I think 
Interesting about Parrott as well. I think he's, I saw Ali Gold saying he's just about to sign a new contract with Tottenham as well. Um, I think the club is definitely eyeing up Parrott as like a, a long term player for us. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, they seem to be like the best at their age group, both of them, Divine and Scarlett. So that's got to be a good position to be in. Um, and again, you know, Scarlett's been training with Harry Kane all summer. So, you know, you can't really ask for much better than that. Yeah, hopefully Troy has a better time in the championship because he had a pretty grim spell with Millwall, didn't he? Before he had to drop down to, to MK Dons. He had his good, good-ish good spell with last season. So yeah, hopefully he's now ready to take a step up. And it's interesting we are signing him to a new long-term contract. Hopefully it means they've got got him in their thoughts or they're just protecting his value. Either or both quite sensible. Um, right. Thanks for that, guys. We've sold off half the squad. Um I suppose I should also ask if anyone wants to make a case for keeping Harry Winks, Tongi and Dombele, Giovanni Lacelso, or Sergio Reggion. Any one of those guys, does anyone want to give them a sort of stay of execution? Anyone? Shake of heads all round. Regulon, just in case. No, get him out. Yeah. Yeah. I think okay. I think it's a Going interesting, <laughs> interesting with Reggion. I don't think I think he's sort of was lumped in with those players that were left behind in pre-season. But I think it was just because his like move to Sevilla is quite advanced. I don't think he's been like shunned from the club in the same mm. way maybe people like Ndombele and Gio have. Like, I don't think he's going like as a I think he goes with like goodwill. Do you know what I mean? He's been a he's been an interest he's been a great character. Um he's probably not been as quite the player that we thought he was going to be, but he's definitely more of a left back than a left wing back. Um so as soon as Conte came he didn't really shine. Yeah. I would love a Spurs play special on what that group got up to at Hotspur Way when they were all in Korea. Just how like how miserable it must have been around that place. I like the, I feel really bad for the coaches that had to like not go to Korea and sort of babysit these shunned, excommunicated, sort of terrible footballers. Um, it must I'd have imagine, been. I'd imagine Tangy just enjoyed the buffet. To be honest, the, like the <laughs> breakfast and the lunch are probably pretty good. Light jog, maybe like quick swim. That's it. Chilling. <laughs> Is I it mean, worse to be there? Who's going to take him? Like, honestly, sorry. We're, he's going to be, I mean, someone, I think I was listening to another podcast, I can't remember which, apologies, but they made the point that there's a very, very good chance that Ndombele outlasts Conte in the sense that he will probably just be sent on loan every season. No one will ever buy him. He's he's contracted to, with us till 2025. So he's got another three years left before his contract expires. And this is just going to happen every season, isn't it? It's just going to come back, not get taken on tour, train with the kids. Then, you know, Fenerbahce or someone will come in on August the 31st and off he'll go miserably and he'll come back again having played 21 games, one assist, no goals. That feels like what's going to happen for the next three years. And I love the way the club are sort of like publicly sort of praying for Winks to go because they keep saying... Assume as number 38, but he's not going to be number 38 for very long. Don't worry. We're just sort of, everyone's sort of like fingers crossed, hoping they just go. So, assume I, again, get the number. I do feel bad for Harry Winks, though, because he, you know, he's a Tottenham boy. Mm. Um, he's been a great player for, he played, he played the Champions League final for Tottenham. You know, he's a, he's yeah. a great, great, great player for us. Um, it's just kind mm. of like such a sad ending. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like such a sad ending, like the way he's sort of now being like begged to go by the club's um, merchandise team. <laughs> I like the fact that he's refusing to give the shirt up yet, though. Like, Joe Rodon, there was that thing about Perisic ringing him up and saying, look, you know, I really like the number 14. It's one of my numbers. Do you mind? And Rodon was like, yeah, fine. I don't, maybe Basuma's not had that chat with Winks yet out of respect, but 
I imagine someone at the club has said to Winks, could you just maybe wear number 38 for a bit until you piss off? And he's just, no, absolutely not. It's eight is mine. I'm not giving it up. Um, I guess it's fair enough. He's been there for about 30 years. Um, anyone sad about Winks going? No. Rosa? I, am a little, I am a little bit, to be honest, because I've, I do actually have quite a lot of, maybe not a lot, but some very fond memories of Winks. And it was just, for a time, it looked like it was really going to happen for him. And it's just always very sad, I think, when it doesn't. So, but it's almost with Winks, it's like we used up all of our sort of emotion on Delhi. And we don't really have anything left over for him, do we? I think that's a really good point. I've like my sentimentality with this stuff. I think Delhi was the last one that I could. I mean, I, obviously, when Sonny and Harry go, it'd be a trauma of a different kind, but that sort of like, oh, we were so hoping that you would kick on and become something that you just haven't. All of that sentimental, gushy stuff went with Delhi. Winks, I'm just like, come on, like, you need to kickstart your career somewhere else. I definitely did have done a lot of moaning about Winks over the last few years, but I think he had a tough time with the, ch- the many changes in manager as well, didn't he? Post post Poch, he kind of couldn't get a run together and and was mm. out, were definitely out of favour with some of them. And then we spent a lot of money on Tangi and GLC, and we kind of had to had to play them. I hope he gets a good move. You know, I'd love him to go to. You know, I, well, it'd be great for him to go abroad. I didn't realise he's half Spanish or he's got... I think he's got a Spanish grandparent, I think. Okay, yeah. yeah, it'd be great if he went to Spain. But if not, hopefully a kind of mid-level uh, uh, Premier League team and plays quite well, maybe even gets an England cap again, but it's just atrocious every time he plays us. That'd be fine. <laughs> um, and, you know, I don't think anyone is mourning the Celso leaving, right? I feel like Ash, he... I feel like for you, he might be your least favourite Spurs player ever at this stage. Yeah, I hate him. I absolutely hate him. I, like he's awful. Um, I don't get. It. I don't get how he cost that much money. Um, I can't remember. It's it's really weird. Like everyone sort of always, and I include everyone on, on this podcast. Everyone always talks about his sort of like purple patch under Mourinho. I am, I'm, so, I am so guilty of this, by the yeah, way. And I was just not like, me, not me. I hate him. And it might, I think it, it I might think just be me. I've been banging on about this so much. I've like projected it onto others. I think. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, everyone. Else. No, I think I've largely invented it. I do. Uh, but yeah, I, even that was just like, I, he tried hard, but I don't think he was even that good then. And yeah, I just can't wait to see the back of him. And it still makes me laugh that someone made that sort of like, stop that Le Celso Twitter account and he blocked them. <laughs> Um, and it had that like awful Everton corner, which like barely like made it to the first man. And yeah, he's that just, was Conte's first league game, lest we forget. That was yeah. he's awful. He's just he's just a shit player. So yeah, I'm very happy that he's leaving. I don't even think he ever even tried that hard either after maybe like the first six months or something. And I just would like it. I just would like to remind everybody that when we did our when we gave out grades last. Christmas I gave him a U because he was so 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 poor and I stand by that <laughs> and he's he's done nothing to make me regret that ever since um I suppose because he played the rest of the season out of the country so he didn't have, he didn't have a chance you know if to, you want to but... get technical about it sure <laughs> <laughs> um 
speaking i was gonna say speaking of technical things my, i'm very rusty with my um my little links into the new sections of the podcast tonight that will improve dear listener um Billy, over to you for our first rolling in the tweet special. As as I hinted at earlier, we've resisted the temptation to do another Arsenal theme one, despite the fact um, they have gone insane this summer, more so than I think we could have ever hoped uh, from even their sort of blow up at the end of the season. The this, this sort of reaction to transfers has just been extraordinary. So... We'll do that perhaps around the first All or Nothing episode, which I think drops August 4th or something like that. So it's coming. It's coming soon. However, we're not doing that. We did ask our wonderful listeners, though. Billy, what did we ask them this week? Yeah, so we asked you guys for your favourite memories of like Tottenham friendlies um, and like pre-season in general, and it had loads and loads. So thank you very much for those. I'm just going to read you a few of them now. Um, so start off with Tim, who says, has to be when we played Seattle and a Make-A-Wish kid got to kick off for them. He ran towards the goal to score and make a dream come true. And then Brad Friedel saved it. <laughs> like the pro that he is, he saved it. I do remember that really well, actually. <laughs> uh, Patrick says, my first ever game watching Aussie's free-flowing goal scoring Magic 5 draw 0-0 at Brentford on a cold, wet evening at Griffin Park. Um, Ollie, friend of the show, of course, says, Soldado scored against Espanyol. And everyone, I think, made the same mistake of Oli as jumping to the conclusion that we've got a gem on our hands. Um, Lawrence says, Kane scoring from the halfway line against Juve, which does come up a lot. Um, I think that was like, I thought about doing the rounds on Twitter, it was like three years ago, like this week or something. That was just an absolutely insane goal. Huge glamour tie here from Joe Burns. He says, we were away to Bishop Stortford in 1999. And seeing a seemingly eight-foot-tall player come on for us, finding out his name is Peter Crouch, laughing and calling him Stickman throughout the rest of the game after the Bugs Life movie character, which had not been that long. Um, we have Paul, who says, who, again, this one comes up quite a few times, Berbatov's brace against Birmingham, um, his debut, preseason debut, just after he signed. It was like watching a magical magical slow ferret. Um, we've got Mikey, who says the Delhi wow. nutmegs. <laughs> yeah, it's great, great, great nickname for him we've got mikey who says delhi's nutmeg on modric was the beginning of a new era at spurs um, that's a great that, shout that's that a, great a great shout, shout. that was amazing friendly um and it kind of just was a little taste of what was to come for delhi ali definitely uh lily white rose says um south of france spurs are playing a preseason game against nice bordeaux and celta vigo wow what a preseason tour that was um for vigo game took an age to find a tiny stadium arrived 10 minutes into the game and jeff scott the physio left uh, let us in a staff door so we got in three and met players including berbatov davids and king that sounds amazing um any of lamella's world beaten preseason runs um, which is seemingly the only time that he wasn't injured, if I remember right. King of preseason, of course, Eric Lamella. Every year we were like, this is it. This is going to be a season. It wasn't. And him and him and Moore are exactly like that, aren't they? Like both the kings of preseason. Um, the ones that inspire that he's like a new sign in tweets. Yeah, I do remember those fondly. Um, Dan Thomas is going to Orient in late July, seeing us winning 4-2 and being convinced Giovanni Dos Santos was going to take the Premier League by storm. Speaking of kings of preseason, our boy Giovanni, I feel like, he sort of would come back from alone and sort of play a few preseason games. And I remember we beat like Fiorentina at White Hart Lane. I seem to remember going to that. And I think he'd come back from alone and was majestic. And it was like, maybe now. It was a bit of a sort of Ndombele, like, maybe now. This is it. Like, this is finally... Tarrat his... as well. I remember seeing Tarrat in the preseason yeah. and thinking he was going to be the best player of all time. <laughs> Those two, very similar DNA. For sure. 
Definitely. And um, yeah, it was one another one of those Barcelona signings that we just thought was really going to be the one. But again, we all know how that story ended. Um, LP, I remember this one as well. He says, Luka Modric's reception in 2011 in the preseason game. And I remember everyone being so convinced that because we gave him such an amazing reception, he wouldn't leave. And then he left like a week later or something like that. Okay. <laughs> um, surely only one right answer again. Someone's put a video of that Kane goal against Juventus. Um, personal one from Kevin, who says, in Espanol in 2013, first time I took my, both my daughters to White Hart Lane. It was a drab draw. There was a Soldado penalty. The only one he ever scored. And shoes off if you love Tottenham on the shelf side. The only highlight. Um, shout out Fighting Clock for that chant that he got going back in the day, the 1882 days. Um, my first ever Spurs game, says Dylan, was a preseason match at Carry Road when we beat my local team Norwich 5 1. was so exciting to see Modric in the flesh. Um, and this is a classic. This is one that I instantly thought of um, from Jay, who says the 5 0 romping of Roma with ben- David Bentley playing like David Beckham. I thought that was the sort of most buzz in the whole fan base had been in the preseason ever. And then, of course, we went months later on to the two points we make game scenario. Again, Jim agrees, two, beating Roma 5-0, David Bentley hat-trick, and then also follows up with two points to make games. Um, another one that comes up quite a lot is winning the Audi Cup um, and rattling Bayern so much they had to dick us 7-2 at home three months later. And I just want to go on record and say fuck Bayern Munich at the moment and particularly their manager. He seems to come out and talk about Harry Kane. Um, fuck off. And definitely... <laughs> Um, Harry Kane coming on and scoring twice versus MK Dons away it might have been a Spurs 11 I called it that he was the next big thing there and then on the now defunct forum so I can't prove my genius says Dave Scott and this is an interesting point to finish on from Rio Coca who says I know we were sort of talking about this in the group chat earlier we barely get a chance to see them anymore um, all very well touring Scotland and South Korea but how do us fans introduce the next generation when we don't play at our own stadium I thought it was interesting there that quite a lot of people said their first ever game was that one of the preseason friendlies or the first time they took their daughters um, we don't have that sort of glamour home tie this year do we for like the first time in a while I think we didn't have one mm-hmm. obviously during the COVID era as well but always used to look at that sort of last home fixture as being the chance to get to see the new signings and stuff but it doesn't seem like we do that anymore it was like the last point that you could not be stressed about Spurs that was always why I enjoyed going it was like this is the only time for nine months I'm going to go and not have terrible sort of blood pressure issues also it's interesting you mentioned someone mentioned the Spurs 11 thing as well because that doesn't happen anymore we we would always have these weird pre-season games against Stevenage Bishop Stortford, Billy just mentioned, Braintree Town, the kind of local um, lower division teams that where you'd have a team cobbled together from a couple of first teamers, some under 21s, whoever was about. And we, you don't, we don't play those games anymore, do we? Yeah, I think it's interesting at the moment, though. We've, I think the under-23s are playing a few friendly at the moment, and Danny Rose is playing for them, which is amazing. I think he's played a couple of games like their club has said he's still allowed to train with us. Um, so that, I would have loved to have seen some of those. I think he's been playing in a couple of like behind-closed-doors behind friendlies. I'm really hoping that this Rose development is similar to, and I was saying this in the group chat I think we have a couple of weeks ago, where big clubs are now signing sort of players in the autumns or later of their careers to join as like player coaches for their under 23 team. So you get like a sort of 35 year old centre back who's got an affiliation with the club that comes back and sort of trains as a coach or sorry, trains the players as a coach, but then plays alongside the players in the under 23 games and kind of coaches them through the match and is there as a sort of on pitch sort of sounding board support. Danny Rose, that would be amazing if Danny Rose could do that. I'd, I'd love Danny back. Is everyone with me or am I too sentimental? No, I'd love it as well. Cause I also, and I would like him to just come back and 
I like to think that he does actually have love for us because he's had a sort of weird, turbulent mm. relationship with the club and with the fans, really, hasn't he? And so I'd like him to just come back and be like, oh, you know, we love you, you love us. That's nice. I mean, I'm also very sentimental, as you know, so that works for me. Um, but yeah, that'd be nice. I just, I've got a quick question. What's happened, talking about player coaches, what's happened to Yaya? Oh, he's still around. So um, I just, so my mate, Dean, his son has got, chance to play, um, play at the ground with his like he plays like under nines or something like that and uh, he, he posted a picture of him and Yaya Yaya's I think he's still he was in that full tra- Tottenham tracksuit and everything so his son met Yaya Torre so he's that must be around. that must also, be a good development God, amazing exactly, what a day because yeah, he, he was due to finish wasn't he like he was he was just with us on a sort of like career experience thing so the fact he's still there hopefully means think, they've signed um, something they were talking yesterday on the Rangers friendly that Defoe is also in talks of being a coach as well. So we've got like an amazing array of coaches. We've got like Yaya Torre, Danny Rose in the mix, Ryan Mason, Defoe, all these guys, proper guys. I saw, yeah, apparently Defoe said on Rangers TV on their coverage that he's going to join Spurs as a coach and an ambassador, which is so, I mean, Ash, was it you saying he needs to become our, our Ian Wright, basically? Yeah, that would be great. And I, I watched the little um, interview that he did with Kane um, I think it was a bit what went viral and it was about him like stopping off when he was a player and like having a kickabout with Kane when he was a kid. Um, and I just like really loved the foe and he just seemed like a genuine, like genuinely like really nice guy. So it'd be great mm. to have a club ambassador about the place. More, more of this Tottenham. This is, this is good. Um, I wonder if Ledley will ever get back into coaching or if he's just fine going on nice sort of tours around and sampling local cuisine and sort of cutting ribbons and stuff. Maybe he's okay with that. I'll probably be it's, okay with yeah, that. Yeah, it's not a bad life. You get to hang out, you know, him and Dawes just hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> um, as long as he's all right, yeah. If Ledley, as long as you're okay, we're okay. Um, right, Billy, thank you very much for the first Rolling in the Tweet special of the season. We look forward to many more. And thank you again to everyone that... Um, that sent in uh, sent in picks. I was pretty blown away as always by just how many of you did that, particularly as we've sort of not really tweeted anything for about three three months. So thanks for not forgetting us. Um, right, wrapping us up, culture picks. Um, we could be here for hours in terms of what everyone's been listening to, watching, looking at, uh, hearing. Um, over the summer, but let's try and be brief as I'm aware that we've been talking for quite a long time already. And if people haven't switched off, they probably will do quite soon. If I start listing various albums that I've been listening to, um, Ash, you can kick us off. Give us a pick, please. Um, I've been listening a lot to this band called Turnstile, uh, and this album, the album's called glow on. And it's like a bit weird for me because they're like this hardcore band, um, from Baltimore, which is like usually the opposite of, what I would ever listen to, but um, they're just really cool. And the album is incredible and everyone should hear it. It's just, yeah, they just felt like they're going to have like a breakout year. Um, I actually didn't go to Glastonbury, but I like watched, I made a point to like watch it. And um, yeah, it looked like they like turned Glastonbury upside down as well. He was there that Tom, Tom, you like pointed out like someone was in the crowd and I forget who. Uh, it was the comedian and um, 
podcaster. He's got about 10 podcasts, James Acaster. But between you, you, when I saw a tweet about James Acaster being like front row for them at Glastonbury, I was like, shit, someone else recommended that band. Then I went to the album and now I'm only wearing like cargo trousers and I've got bought a skateboard and I'm heading to um, <laughs> Braintree B&Q. It had a great place to grind when I was about 14. Uh, a great curb. Uh, anyway, it's a fucking sick album. Love that album so much. Thanks, Ash. I've not enjoyed that sort of music as much since I sort of was into like some 41. So I also appreciate that recommendation. You like Thank you. 41 and Papa Roach. This is last. for you, for yeah. sure. I just, I love the fact that this recommendation came from Ash as well, because normally that is not at all what I expect my my Apple Music to be queuing up from when Ash has sent me things. But in this instance, very welcome surprise. Um, Tom, what's your pick, please? Um... I've, I, as ever, I've only been watching half-hour comedies and basically everything that... Lots of things had, have had second series really soon after the first. I think it's because of the delay in getting stuff to the UK. Disney Plus came quite late to the UK and Amazon picked stuff up at weird mm-hmm. times. Um, so lots of things that we talked about in the first series of the pod. Uh, I enjoyed High Fidelity on Disney Plus, which Rosa recommended. Uh, Hacks season two was brilliant. Those characters are so good. The writing is brilliant. That's on Amazon Prime. I need to start Only Murders in the Building season two. Um, I started The New Atlanta, which is weird as fuck, which is also on Disney+. Plus. Um, and then, oh, I'm about halfway into Girls 5 Ever season two, which is on Now TV. I've mentioned every streaming service, I think, because you just need every one now, don't you? Um and yeah, Girls Five Ever is so good. It's about a girl band. The second series is really good. We all love Busy Phillips on the pod. We could get deep into Dawson's Creek again, but we won't. Um, but I'll just mention the episode last night had a joke about the polyphonic spree in it, which is just like hitting everything for me. A Dawson's Creek actress with a joke about the polyphonic spree. Perfect. So I was going to talk about Girls Five Ever as well. Um I'm slightly concerned that the songs aren't as memorable as the first season because I feel like we would often like rewind to listen back to the songs and we would, you know, we would listen independent of the show. We would often have the music on in the car and stuff. Whereas I feel like none of the songs, and we're only halfway through the, se- the second season, so I'm hoping there might be a couple, but have is that got, fair or is that too tough? Got- I think that's probably fair, actually. But last night we got to an episode where there's a song called Big Pussy Energy. We've not reached Big okay. Pussy Energy. Well, if you get okay. to Big Pussy Energy, let's talk. Okay. <laughs> Just in general, really. Um, okay, so yeah, Girls 5 Over was going to be my pick. Music-wise, um, I got to interview Jamie T for work last week, his album, uh, which was a bit of a sort of bucket list interview because I love Jamie T. Um his new album, The Theory of Whatever, is excellent. And I would definitely, definitely, I've not just been swayed by the fact that I interviewed one of my heroes and he was really nice. The album itself is really great too. I think it's his most sort of mature but not boring album. It's definitely better than the two that came out in like 2014, 2016. This is a real sort of return to, I think, what Jamie T fans will want to hear. Um, produced by Hugo White of the Maccabees. And you can definitely hear a lot of that through it, which if you're a Maccabees fan is also another sort of um noughties indie bonus for you as well um so that's mine rosa 
Um, I've got loads of telly to catch up on. Apparently, I'd just totally forgotten about everything. I've only watched. I've got Girls Five Ever to watch um, and Hacks to catch up on. I've watched one episode of the new season of Only Murders in the Building. Because, guys, I am reading again. I'm back to my roots. I feel really, really good about it. Um, I read um, this amazing novel by a Japanese author called Mieko Kawakami called All the Lovers in the Night, um, which is about a very lonely woman um, in Japan. And it sort of meanders along for a while. And then in the middle, it has this sort of devastating reveal, which makes kind of everything that you've read before make sense. Um, and then it's just sort of heartbreaking and kind of life-affirming in equal measure. Um, I also then read uh, the book of Pachinko, which I obviously, like I watched the um, Apple TV series and you all know I love that. And it doesn't, but the first, they're going to make like two more seasons of it, I think. So I decided to go off and read the whole book, which was also great. And I've very nearly finished um, Hadley Freeman's memoir um, about her family, House of Glass, which basically covers the kind of um, Jewish experience in Europe in the 20th century, really. So that's also very, very moving. Um, there's one book that I really, really do want to recommend, though, because it's been a sort of weird summer of football and various stories coming out about football players um, and other sports people, which are pretty disturbing. And we've sort of had to deal with that with our own club and just kind of moving forward, we have to just kind of go you know assume that everything is fine um but I know that lots of us weren't super happy with how our club handled things but this book um is really really brilliant it was published about eight years ago now um but it's, and it's by an Australian journalist called Anna Crean and it's called Night Games and I think the subtitle is like um a journey into the dark heart of sport and it's basically about all the sort of bunch of kind of terrible allegations of rape and sexual assault um, largely to do with Aussie rules football but it's pretty applicable to kind of any male dominated sport really um, and what it is really really good at um, is discussing the sort of grey areas I think um, about sort of what consent covers and does not cover and what that means particularly when young men are very famous and very wealthy and young women who have kind of none of the power or the money that they have and what that means and how we kind of think and talk about them so it's very it's not at all judgmental I don't think I think it's actually very thoughtful but um I would say it's a brilliant book, um, but I think it's also very useful and instructive because I think I think football really needs to sort itself out, to be honest. I think there's been such a lot of disturbing stuff uh, that we've heard about over the last sort of year or so. Um, I'd like to see the league kind of take the lead on it a little bit and have some sort of partnership probably with, you know, a... a, a sexual assault charity and a domestic violence charity um but I think we can all kind of do our bit in kind of thinking about it all properly really um so that's 
a lot of books, but that is the one if I could recommend to anyone. If you love sport and you want to kind of continue loving sport as well, which we all do, we don't want to have these sort of horrible feelings about it all the mm. time. Um, it's it, it is the one for me. So yeah, night games. Well said, Rosa. I think that's really important, and I'm glad that um, you spoke about that and you spoke about it so well. Um, Billy, round us off, please. Yeah, man, I've got um, one film, one TV show, and one song. Um, so the film is going to be Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, um, which is probably the best film that I've seen this year. And um, it's like a multiverse film, and it is basically, I saw it at a very similar time to see in Doctor Strange 2, which is also a multiverse film, but it just like totally blows out the water. Um, TV show is going to be the final season of Better Call Saul, um, which is like just ending on such an insanely high standard of TV. Um, and it's sort of wrapping up the story. And it's really weird because it's like a prequel. And you know that the characters are going to survive because they're in Breaking Bad, but it's still like really, really intense. And the song is by a producer called Eliza Rose, um, who's like a house producer, um, having a breakout year this year. And it's called Badass of the Moor. And I think she's going to be a big producer to look out for. Um, and I think that song is currently Song of the Summer. So um, Everything Everywhere All at Once, the final season of Better Call Saul and Eliza Rose as well. Nicely done. Nicely done. I also assume, Billy, you've been on school holidays I dread to think how many times you've visited the cinema. Yeah, I, I, I've been keeping track of my letterbox. I've, I've gone at least once a week, sometimes twice a week. Um, I'll do a full rundown of those, those films. But I've seen some really bad films, to be honest. That lately is not a, not a good patch. Um, starting with um, Jurassic World, which is one of the Jurassic World Dominion, which is one of the worst films I've ever seen in the cinema. Um, so in a bit of a bad streak at the moment. But I did see Elvis last week, which was really good. So, oh, did you like him? Uh, yeah, I loved Elvis. I thought it was really, really good. Um, I saw Lightyear, which is kind of a mixed bag as well. Um, I've seen pretty much every film out that's out in the cinema, but um, by far the best one is Everything Everywhere All At Once. I'm and so excited to gun- see that because mm. that because honestly like you know how I felt about this Billy as I, I finally got to see Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness and I just thought it was absolutely terrible like genuinely I think it's like the worst Marvel <laughs> film so far it was such a horrible horrible mess um, and like its biggest crime was what it did to Wanda but beyond that I think the multiverse the way they dealt with the multiverse was just not fun or interesting really at all so I'd love to see something that actually thought about it properly and made it seem kind of joyous and interesting exactly when you watch the two side by side it's like this is exactly what they should have done this made it much more interesting and michelle Yeoh is just a hero so yeah she's just incredible oh she's an absolute goddess yeah amazing um good work everyone that was nicely uh nicely rounded up considering how many things we could have all spoken about for hours and hours um we have spoken for quite a long time and we appreciate everyone sticking with the podcast as we return I had a great time though. It's great to be back. I'm very excited about this season. I'm very excited that Hometown Glory has reconvened after the summer. Um, Tom, Rosa, Ash, Billy, thank you so much for your company as always. Um, as I said, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you everyone for your messages over the summer, sort of bugging us to come back. We were always going to come back. Don't worry, we weren't doing a sort of Conte-esque, keeping everyone hanging. Um just had to all go on sort of boring holidays and do things. Um, But we are thrilled to be back now. Very excited for everything that's coming. We've got lots of quite exciting guests in the works as well. I'm going to say that to keep us honest so that we definitely start chasing people up again properly because we got a bit bad at that towards the end of the first season. Anyway, uh, like I said, thank you so much, everyone. And we'll see you again very soon. Billy, see us out, please. It's good.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.